Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. Welcome to another cracking, exciting, groundbreaking, pulse-pounding, um, I'm running out of adjectives, um, episode of a... Jaw-dropping. Uh, yeah, jaw-dropping. Um, episode of a SFP Now, um, and joining me is uh, Ben, who can't wait to sort of get his word in, um, and, and, and Risa. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, doing good. Okay. Good fancy, yeah. How about yourself? Oh, I'm I'm really good today. I'm so like uh, bouncing off the walls. Um, literally, that is. <laughs> but yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot to get through. So uh, let's see. We've had Star Trek Discovery, and that's season finale. We've had uh, the Mandalorian end just before Christmas. We had uh, the Doctor Who um, holiday episode. Um, where everybody dies, including the Doctor. They're not going to make anymore. Um, including Chris Chibnall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Chibnall got run over by an armour, and uh, <laughs> you know, and then, then he was uh, unfortunate enough to get taken out by a combine harvester. It was messy. Um, so, and in other news, <laughs> um, but yeah, we, um, we we've got loads to talk about, in, including Wonder Woman. Uh, One Division's just started, um, so we've got a lot to get through. So um, I'm going to throw the floor open to you guys. What do you guys want to start with? Let's start with um, the least interesting of the entries and work our way up to the best um, and just get Wonder Woman out of the way. Okay, that'll be Doctor Who. End of conversation. <laughs> right, now on to Wonder Woman. Okay. <laughs> 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 Okay, yeah. yeah, let's put let's kind of put Doctor Who song like a um, second or third item on the agenda. That way, it doesn't seem as bad. Okay, so Wonder Woman um, came out sixth um, of December in America, I think. That's that all right? right. Yeah. And um, it came out here in the UK on the uh, 15th of January uh, as a, a video on demand uh, premiere access for £15.99 um, on Amazon and uh, Sky Movies and uh, no, audio I'm ones. I'm sorry you had to spend it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that came out, it came out then. Um, I, I quite liked it. I felt it was a bit long. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. If it if it had sucked outright, it would have actually been easier. It's the fact that parts of it worked that made the parts that didn't all the more glaring. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think you know a lot, a lot of people think we're expecting uh, loads and loads of action. 
and um, a complicated science fiction story. Um, whereas what you what you kind of got really was kind of like uh, it was like the, the story had kind of like a, a mythological and biblical element to it. Yes, and I think I think I think they they remembered that that because she was an Amazon and, and there were mythological creatures that the story needed to be a myth, needed to be a morality play. I think they decided to go retro with it and just didn't quite get where they wanted to go. Mm-hmm. I think the gut. I think the trouble was it. They made it. They just made it too complicated. And uh, over, over to Ben. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were real. Uh, myself, um, my girlfriend, and her daughter were all pumped up to watch it over Christmas. And I think a big. I think a part of things at the moment, and everyone must be thinking the same thing, is that you know, there's nothing new to watch. So like New Year's Eve. You know, we made some nice food and watched Wonder Woman 84 and we saved it for that and it was exciting and all that. And then, you know, I reviewed the movie and reviewed it quite highly, so I'm not going to go back on that. But um, I think, you know, I do take on board what you said. Perhaps it was a little bit flabby and stuff like that. Um, I think I was torn between thinking... There were times when I wasn't quite sure what the central premise was, what this wishstone even did and how it worked. And I felt that could have been... Bit explained a little better in a similar way to Tenet, believe it or not. I don't know if any of you have seen that, but I felt a little bit the same as I felt about that movie that the thing that you meant to suspend your disbelief over became a bit difficult to because it wasn't clear cut. Saying that, I did like the fact that I couldn't help admire the fact that you know the DC's universe is sort of thing which is massively lacking behind the MCU, like it's not even comparable in terms of the story and the writing and everything like that. Um, I do think that they're at least trying to sort of build their own narrative voice. So although it didn't quite pull it off, I sort of gave them quite a bit of respect for at least trying to, to write a meaningful story, perhaps, you know. Yeah, yeah. And part of the problem is that, and um, we were discussing this before we started, um, Hollywood systemically has lost track of editing as an idea, as a separate function of the creative process. And this movie showed that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it did. Being, um, you know, it's just as when I was actually watching at home and I could actually pause it because I think I had about, um, I think I think I had about two target breaks throughout it, which is probably too uh-huh. much information. But had that been in the cinema, I probably would be yeah. wetting myself by about four, by, by about an hour and forty five minutes in. Uh-huh. You know, I, I think I think that I think what they need need to do is they need to put a public health warning on out on movies that are longer than two hours, saying requires that you bring your own capita. I mean, if you're going to make a movie over two hours, like again we were talking earlier on before we hit the record button, if you're going to make it more than two hours, it's got to earn that, hasn't it? I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like like, like Ben Hur back in back in '59 when they made Ben Hur. Not that I was actually born then, but I grew up watching oh, that movie. Still making it out there, that long. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that, 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 that's his cousin. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. By the way, I'm Spartacus. <laughs> um, okay, um, but yeah, but Ben Hur really earned. Ben Hur really earned it. The Ten Commandments yeah. really earned it. Um, although the Ten Commandments really need to earn it because the you know the Bible story of Ten Commandments of Moses is about sort of like five hours long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, mean, I, I guess like I made the comparison to MCU and that, and I guess the difference between Wonder Woman and DC and Marvel is 
how long is Endgame getting on three hours? And when I left it, the first thing I didn't go was that was too long. And that mm-hmm. says everything. The fact that that movie's three hours long and there's not much fat on it. Mm-hmm. And I think what helps with that movie is the humour uh, combined with the action and the uh, and the fact that, you know, we've got uh, a bunch of characters that we've gotten to know over the course of their individual movies and, you know, they're all likeable. Whereas in DC Universe, you know, I want to kill Superman. I want to put Batman's head through a brick wall. <laughs> you basically want to be like Slave Theory, don't you? Let's, let's face it. Yeah. You know, if I, if I was a Batman villain, I'd be, I'd be somewhere between Joker and Bane. I mean, um, I, I guess one of the things that I've commented on in my review, um, you know, for a good five or six years now, the 80s has been mined and it's had a massive resurgence with loads and loads of shows. You know, there's Cobra Kai before that, Stranger Things. You know, there's loads of remakes from the 80s. It's, it's having a proper sort of like, you know, the last five or six years has been 80s themed. It's a bit longer than that, to be honest, mate. Thor Ragnarok and stuff like that. And, I don't think they had enough fun with that movie that, that they could have, and I don't. I was expecting more really big banging tunes from the eighties as well, with the exception of Two Tribes. There wasn't any really, which was a big shame. Uh. Yeah, but I think I think it was. I think difficulty was was finding the tunes that thematically make sense to Wonder Woman, whereas Two Tribes exactly. makes sense, doesn't it? Um, but I think I think overall the story it was basically a, it was basically kind of a rehash of King Midas uh-huh. in in so many ways. You know, for, for, for everyone that knows the story of King Midas is basically he wishes for gold and um, his wishes granted and then everything he touches, including his food, turns to gold. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was kind of like a rehash of that. You know, if you, if you, if you wish for, for power, well, yeah, fine, you'll get power, but you're going to have to give something else up all that power. I mean, yeah. I think something else has sprung to mind and then I'm going to pipe down for a bit because I've spoken for a while now um, and give other people a chance to talk. But um, I think one of the things that I thought was I didn't expect Pedro Pascal or another character to be in it more than sort of the cheater did because all the adverts made you think it was going to be the Wonder Woman versus cheater and that only happened for a very short part of the film. Uh-uh. Yeah, and, and um, to be fair to Christian Wig. Um, I can never. Is it is it wig or wig or wig? It's it's, Christ, it's Christian wig. It's yeah, Christian wig. yeah, but it's like a double eye. I, I know, how do you even get round that? I don't know. Come on, Christian wig. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we aig, we aig, we aig. Yeah, um, but you know, it's um, you know, she 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 put in a, a really good performance. So I was actually quite surprised because the only I was too. The only other thing I've seen her in really was Ghostbusters, and that just sucked. <laughs> I, I, I turned off after about the first forty minutes because I I just couldn't sit there and watch it. <laughs> um, and that's the only other thing I've seen her in. Although I'm sure she's probably been in a lot of other stuff that I've probably seen. But just don't remember because she's not really. I'm, you know, I'm. I'm not going to say she's kind of the sort of actor. Although she's more known for comedy, but I think she's kind of the sort of actor that could probably just fit in to sort of like just about any any sort of role, maybe. Yeah, no, she she was she was quite wonderful. The, the, the performance level stuff was awesome throughout. The actors committed. They, they did. And, I mean, and I and I'm just sorry the script wasn't there for them. Um, the the one thing I'll say is that the entire time I was watching the movie, when they got to uh, Linda Carter's cameo, 
Um, I kind of wish that we had a movie about her character teaming up with, with Diana. That, that would have been a better film, frankly. Well, that might happen. You know, we might, might we might see that. Um, I mean, how old's Linda Carter now? I mean, she she's um, you know she she didn't really look a day over so like uh, mid forties in that. You know, she's looking really good. Just checking now, Carter is the yeah. she's sixty nine years old. Yeah. 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 So you know, um, I think she takes care of herself pretty well, works out and and all that um, because she wouldn't be looking that good otherwise. Um, Oh, she looks spectacular. She looks absolutely spectacular. And I don't, I don't think she, I don't think she's the type that's had that much surgery either. No, no, she's, no, she's, um, she's, she's, she's holding up, she's holding up, mm-hmm. and and her and the way that they introduced her, they they had planned for her to cameo in the first film, but never found the space for it. So they had been holding this off for this film, and I actually thought her introduction um, was handled very well. I, I, I think it was as well. I mean, it was just uh, it was just nicely done, and um, it, it kind of fit in with the uh, the mythology they set up during the film about Astria or Ast- Asteria. Asteria, Asteria, um, yeah. Um, or, or whatever name. I mean, I don't read Wonder Woman comics, but it's sort of like uh, I do do remember sort of like the animated films and and the TV series back in the seventies. Um, although when the TV series aired here in the UK, it was more like the early 80s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wonder Woman! <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it, was, it was lovely. It was, it, was, it was fan service done right, and I hope that we do get the, the film where they actually team up. Although the one question I had was when, we, when, we, when they get to the Cheetah-Diana fight, Cheetah absolutely bashes those wings off of the armor, which is now broken. And so Diana has no capacity to fix the armor because the people who fix the armor are on Themyscira. So what has she got to do? She's got to get the armor to the the uh, the people at Atlantis to maybe fix it. And mm. that 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 plot could be a plot in itself. Fixing the armor could be a subplot of a film. Yeah, I mean, she, she's I guess, like she's going to need fixing. It's going to have to feature again. It's going to be someone she's going to have to fight. She's going to need the armor for. I guess from like a writerly point of view, that's where I would. Sort of go with it, but um, I think like thinking about the, re- the repercussions of the film not being received very well, or you know, critically, um, you know, the DC DC couldn't really afford to have a movie that wasn't a hit because apart from Aquaman and the first Wonder Woman, none of the other movies have done particularly well, um, <sighs> and I think it's only fair to say that there's very few sort of people that are allowed to have complete control over everything, which as far as I'm aware, Patty Smith pretty much Patty Smith, singer Patty Jenkins Thank pretty you. much has. So I think, you know, it's only fair that she probably has to carry the can for it really. You know, considering yeah. that everything has been that you know what I mean? It's sort of like I can think of Christopher Nolan and maybe one or two other people, but mostly people don't have that much creative control. Mm. No, and and DC is not going to be doing well because now that the Marvel shows are actually starting and they have a basis for comparison, the existing DC shows are going to suffer. I can I can just tell the difference between WandaVision and Batwoman night and day. I think on that note, um, something else we could mention at some point. Uh, I'm pretty sure the new Superman and Lois series is due in what a month or so. February. Next month. Next month, mate. Next month. Yeah, that's so that's I don't know at some point else. And I guess just while we were talking about these stuff, DC stuff, that's something that I forgot about. So I just thought I'd mention, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and Batwoman just started uh, last Sunday. 
Yeah, he was um, solid, but not spectacular. Yeah, it was, it was kind of like, uh, you know, the Bruce, the Bruce Wayne thing. I, I think I would have preferred them use an imposter as Bruce Wayne and tied that over an entire story arc, as you know, as opposed to it just being over two episodes. Because it's not like him. It, it just saw like it just seemed very, very rushed. And they could have done it, something. It was because they they wanted to end it and, and tie it up for the for the new story arcs with the with the. Ryan Wilder, because he was supposed to be a holdover for Kate Kane, but since they got got rid of her, you know, they decided they wanted to go a different direction. Talking of which, um, I just seen a film on uh, Amazon Prime for rental, and it was made in twenty twenty, and it stars Ro- it stars um, Ruby Rose, mm. and it's an action film. <laughs> So I'm just thinking, hmm, I wonder if that's why she gave up the role of uh, Batwoman because she wasn't going to have enough, enough of a break from that film with all the action stuff that she did because she did quite she did quite um, badly injure herself while making Batwoman. She did. And I think that's probably one of the reasons she left. So. Yeah. Unfortunately, the DC TV universe, I've sort of missed that boat. And because there's so much of it in our own, I really would have loved to have been a part of the big sort of crisis on Infinite Earth, but I just feel that if I tried to catch up with everything now, I'd have to dig out which episodes to watch at the same time, and it's just that boat sailed, which... Yeah, the, 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 the crossovers are lovely. The individual plot lines for the individual shows, mileage will vary. I'm, I'm running out of steam. Yep. And, uh, and, I have, and I have to say that if the Superman and Lois premise doesn't thrill me, I'm probably going to dump the show. Mm. Um, Add it to that, Ben. I'm running out of steam. Added to that, Ben. Uh, it hasn't been to be fair. You know, yeah. they've had, like, it's bound to hit fatigue at some point. Unless it's absolutely incredible writing, there's been a lot of... And aren't they all, like, mostly 24 episodes of series, too? They are, mm. most of them, yeah. And the only reason I'm sticking it around for Super, Super uh, for Supergirl and Black Lightning is because those are the final seasons for each of those. Mm. This year, so. Well, I just want I just like to quickly add, Reese, because I don't think you've actually uh, mentioned this, but Ben, the Superman and Lois Lane show, um, you don't have to have seen any of the prior series to be able yeah, to get into that. I was going to say, I, I might start, I mean, especially at the moment, because there's so few things to watch, that I probably will pick up, I will watch, you know, whether or not I end up reviewing it or not, we'll have to see how my schedule is, but I will watch Superman and Lois, so I will, I, it was the point I was going to jump in and go, you know what? Superman, Superman's like my favourite superhero anyway, so here's a good point to um, jump in. Just while DC's on my mind, I feel a bit bad that I was talking about films, that, the DC films, and um, I should probably mention that I did forget to mention Shazam as well. It's only fair, because that was a good movie. Shazam was, was awesome. That's brilliant. Superman, I don't like Superman. Superman's my least favourite superhero. You know why? Because I know how to beat him. Just kick him in the nads with some with some sort of kryptonite toe cat boots. Sorted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the end of Superman. Sorted. Kryptonite. <laughs> I think he's just because he was probably like, I don't know, I say favourite. I, 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 there's definitely more interesting characters in some ways, but I guess he's just the very first one I ever came across as a, as a kid, you know, reading my dad's old comics and stuff, so... Mm. I guess he's just always got a bit of a... Um, and really, more than anything else, you know, Superman 2 is like one of my favourite movies and for me, the, the ultimate superhero movie has never been topped. Yeah, no, you know, I'd agree there. I mean, Superman 2 is my favourite Superman movie um, out of everything that they've done. Superman 2 is my favourite Superman movie. Um, and basically it was because Superman got his ass kicked. It's interesting that I... 
um, Dominic, um, our wonderful friend, bought me um, Superman Christopher Reeves box set, a special edition one that he got for me, and um, it, it had the Richard Donner cut, and I'd actually never seen it for one reason or another. I think when it first came out, I just it just went by the by for whatever reason, and um, so I watched that over the holidays, and it was really interesting because I've never seen a director's cut that, that really, really offers it. It's, in many ways, it's a very different film, you know. It seemed a bit odd though watching it because the you know the uh, footage that they put in and that they substituted um, looked sort of like quite rough in comparison with the footage that that was in the uh, in the original cut. I mean, like for me, it was a slightly surreal experience because as a child, I had it on tape, and I went every t- every Friday, every time we had to watch a film at school to the point of annoying other kids. I brought it in. I mean, I watched this movie once or twice a week. Do you know what I mean? So. I know, I know it virtually, like scene for scene, and so it was really quite hard to watch it and not understand, not be able to sort of think that's not even one two, that's not going on, that's not going on. But it was an interesting experience while we're talking mm. about DC that I just thought I'd throw out there. You, know. you will kneel before Zod. The son of Kalel will bow to me forever. Kneel before Zod. <laughs> he was the last. Um, I think um, as much as anyone else, you know, Gene Hackman. Was amazing in that movie, you know. It really was. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I think Kevin Spacey was better as Lex Luthor, to be honest, um, which is probably blasphemy. Uh, but I think um, if if Lex Luthor was a real world villain, he'd be more like Kevin Spacey, um, even more so now, given given what happened with Kevin Spacey a couple <laughs> of years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a movie I've not watched for a long time, Superman Returns. So um, I might return maybe next week to Superman Returns, you know. I might have a bit of a Superman a thon and, and um, get ready for uh, Lois and Clark, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, let's, let's do our scores for Wonder Woman out of five. I'm going to say three and a half. I'll give it a three. <laughs> I'm going to go, you know, I reviewed it quite highly. There was aspects that I liked, so I'll go with a four, you know, because I quite like the movie. Okay, um, now on to, um, we'll do, do our least favourite thing now, which is a, you know, which is a shame because it used to be our, our uh, most favourite thing, uh, Doctor Who. Oh, God. Where'd you start, you know? I think a good place to start, as good a place as any is, you know, that I just thought that, you know, we, we already know what the issues are and what's going on, but forget about all that stuff. Let's just look at, let's try and, you know, from my perspective, what I want to try and do. It's just it's discuss that episode in isolation without discussing all the rest of the things because, in fairness, it's an isolated episode. It's a holiday special, so clearly mm, like, it's not really it's not ring because it carries on from the last episode because it, it starts with it starts with her in jail. Where very easily going around about the whole franchise gone rubbish and why. But the point I wanted to make is that from a writing perspective, the way that the Doctor was broken out, the way that they, you know, I'm not a professional writer. I could have written a better way for the Doctor to have made some sort of deal with the Daleks. You know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that, you know, you and I were talking about this, scene that a Dalek could have been in that same prison and eventually the Dalek could have done a deal with the devil sort of thing to get them out and it could have gone wrong. Anything like that would have been better than what did happen. Mm. I mean, Although it was, it was lovely to see Jack again. And, was. Uh, well, he was, he, was, he was definitely the high point for me of, of the whole thing. Um, but when when I seen it and uh, I saw like um, I seen it um, about an hour after it broadcast because I was doing something else when it was on, and 
with, with the whole jailbreak thing, I, I, was, I was sort of thinking the same as you, Ben. You know, what a wasted opportunity. Although I wasn't thinking about doing a deal with the Darnick. I was thinking about the Doctor becoming Ets and having this great escape plot where, where, yeah. they, where they have to figure out a way, um, figure out the equivalent of actually tunneling out of there without being found out. And that should have just been the plot of the whole thing. You know, they could have done away with the Daleks entirely and just had the Doctor um, needing an need escape attempt. I mean, like, again, you know, like, I was, I've was been watching quite a few on BritBox, which I was talking about last time. You know, like, I'm not working for BritBox or anything, but um, you can get a subscription and watch all the old classics, which I don't think there is any other place that all the episodes are on. You know what I mean? The whole classic series in one place, which is great. So I've been watching quite a few of the old reruns of like Sylvester McCoy stuff, some Tom Baker stuff, whatever. And even from then, I think even not even that though, like David Tennant, you know, Matt Smith era. Why does like why doesn't why why have everyone forgotten who the Daleks are when all of a sudden they're brought back as this defence thing? Why aren't people saying no, we know what they are? Like that is just really terrible, terrible writing to not yes. even think about that. It's just bizarre. I mean, yeah, I've, I've been telling myself all these years that all these different Earths the Doctor is visiting are just parallel Earths where they're not here to Daleks. <laughs> I mean, there are, like, there are some episodes. I think, I think maybe turn left or something like that. I think there are, like, the odd episode where the Doctor wipes it from history and stuff to the best of my memory. You know, there are the odd one. But there's also loads. Everyone on Earth knows that the Daleks have been there. And to the best of my knowledge, they aren't an unknown species. So, like, did, did Chris Chibnall just forget that or what? Or I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know, really. I mean, so, like, um, I think the Daleks are just, like, the uh, sci-fi equivalent to Australians. Like a boomerang, they just keep coming back. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I took to Dominic, and um, I don't know how you might know this thing. I, I don't, but um, he's under the impression or... Maybe he's read somewhere that, that there is a contract that Terry Nation put in that it has to be brought back once every year or eighteen months or something. But I, I don't heard that somewhere too. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a rumor that's been going around for years, and it's very very unclear whether it is in fact true or not. Because there's no there's no evidence proving that it's true, but there's also no evidence to to, to prove that it isn't either. So it's it's like one of those things that's been going on for years. Well, the thing is, you know, if you look at the first, if you look at the Tom Baker era, yeah, after the first season, they didn't use the Daleks again during the Tom Baker era for about four seasons, for about four years. So you can do Doctor Who without the Daleks for quite a long time, long length of time. Um, if you've got somebody like Stephen Moffat in charge that can actually come up with new aliens and, and new, new, new plots sort of thing. But I think, to be honest, I think, the big weakness of Doctor Who now is these you know, like season-long story arcs and and stuff like that. I think I think a, a good way for things to go now would be for it to go back to a twenty-five-hour, twenty-five-minute time slot and and do it more more of a serial like it used to be. Because I think that allows for better writing go around. Oh, I'm saying that though, like in the Matt Smith era, like the Impossible Girl and. All that stuff and River Song. There was some amazing writing. There was some, it was the best television. It was the best stuff on television for a good while. So I know what you mean, but I think it's more down to the fact that it's bad writing than, than anything else, like personally, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Dominic's posted a, an article this week. Um, five writers he'd like to, you know, come and, 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 and be showrunner. 
And it's quite it's quite well thought out piece, but there's one one writer who missed out on the list, which I was I'm quite surprised by actually. He, he didn't he didn't include Toby Whithouse. Yeah. You know, and Toby Whithouse is someone I would have included because um, he's an excellent writer and he's also an excellent showrunner. I mean, Being Human was absolutely fantastic series. It was. It was. You know. Um, and he knows how to write sci-fi, but he also knows how to write good horror as well. So we, you know, he, he, he's, he's across both. Whereas I think, to be honest, with um, with, with Chibnall, he's great at sort of like kitchen sink drama and and um, and detective sort of things. Um, but I think I think for sci-fi and and stuff like that, he's he's just not, you know, he's not got it. And also, he's he's too political. He's too radicalized in his in his political leanings uh, to be able to actually give us a nuanced story. I think it's like um, representation done well is people of certain ethnicities or genders or minorities that fit into really good stories. They can't just be there as tokens, otherwise it doesn't work, you know? Mm. Also, I mean, I think representation done well is by just having the uh, having the black or Indian or Asian character there and not not drawing attention to it. Yeah, you know? I mean, like, the other thing that I wanted to say about the show, I don't know how you guys felt, but, like, I don't know, but the way that Ryan went out of it, it was almost like, all oh, right, yeah, bye, that's the end of that, you know? And it just shows you that it made me feel, well, what was the point in his character all along, really? Other than sort of his grandma dying and learning to ride a bike. I can't really think of much else that he went through and did. Yeah, and he also found the fact that he was still struggling to ride a bike quite hard to swallow, given all the adventures he'd been on with the Doctor and and, um, and, and the amount of coordination and the things he would have picked up from those experiences. I mean, like, that was, if we were going to include that, which I don't have a problem with, you know, because... As someone who who does struggle aspects of coordination, you know, whilst everything else might be being represented, I don't really see a lot of representation for dyspraxia. Maybe it is there, and I don't know about it. Fair enough. But anyway, so if you're gonna have it, have it properly. Why didn't he sort of like do what Mickey did in a big van? And why why wasn't that scene about him sort of like saving the world or saving the universe on a bike or something? That'd have been better, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah. You know, it would have been better if we actually seen the progression of him learning to ride a bike throughout the series. And and eventually he has this shining moment where he's actually mastered it, and he's mastered it at the exact right time to take down a bunch of aliens. You know, that 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 would have been so much better. You know, better writing. It would have been so much better for Mickey's character. You know, for um, oh, is it was it Ryan's. Ryan Ryan's character? Yeah. yeah. The the one companion interaction that I really liked was Yaz and Jack. Because they had a, a real conversation about what what it all meant that you know, and 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 Jack was able to actually just have a nuanced conversation from his experiences of, of being left, and and to have to actually just you know lay it out for her. And that's the one part I actually liked at the psychological I think, level. I think yeah, it is important. It is I think it is important to sort of um, to try and discuss things that we did like if there were any and, 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 and sadly there weren't many but I sort of felt if I'm trying to be positive by the end of it Doctor was now ready to start properly as the Doctor but it's like that's three seasons in it's a bit late when it's coming to the end of your run you know yeah yeah. I mean it's going to be interesting to see what happens now that I've got the um, oh god I can't remember his name John, John something or other <laughs> um, I can't help you sorry 
Yeah, it's it's just all like um, he's not on TV much now in in terms of being on the main channels anymore because he saw it does most of his stuff on Sky. So I've not actually seen that much of him in recent John years. Bishop. John Bishop, yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. I've seen him on a few like game shows and stuff like that. Maybe they're just concentrating on game show hosts because Bradley Walsh was. But Bradley Walsh, when you actually look at what he's done, he's had a good career in acting and he's done. He's got a fair few strings to his bow, but. Um, it'd be interesting to see what John Bishop does um, because I don't really have anything to compare him to. You know, I think maybe the odd cameo in some sort of show like Benny Dome, I think, or something like that. Ian, he might have been in that, but I might be wrong. But I don't think that he's sort of done very much. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out, you know? It, it will yeah. be. I mean, you know, the thing is, um, something I've noticed over, over the years is that comedians, often when they're given a chance to act, they make some, they make some of the best actors out there um, in terms of TV. I mean, Russ Abbott played a blinder in a, in a show that I used to watch with my dad, where he played, um, he played, played, played a man that befriends a comedian, and he's kind of like very much the straight guy in that, and he's, he's basically helping this comedian process all his failures and, and, and his career and that. And it's all like it's... It's an old, it's an old series on in only in the early nineties. I can't remember what it was called, but it's just about this comedian who was he was basically doing seaside resorts and stuff like that. He was in the twilight years of his career, and yeah. he meet, meets Russ Abbott's character and they, they and they strike up a friendship, and he goes around with him, sort of thing, helping him out. Um, but I can't remember what it was called. But Russ Abbott was in that, and he he, um, he played it played played absolutely beautifully. Anyway, we've um, we've trashed Doctor Who sufficiently now. Um, so, out of five, what what do you guys give it? Two. Ben, I was thinking about it, and I think that's the same number that came to my mind originally. And I was thinking, was that too harsh? But you know, I think I probably could go harsher if I really felt about thought about it. But I'll go with a two. You know, that's sufficient. I shouldn't have been zero 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 point five. <laughs> Um, no, I'd, I'd say about 1.5. Okay. That's you being generous, isn't it? <laughs> sort of like, so maybe we're trying to wrap up Doctor Who is, whatever else I've thought about the programme, about sort of like representation done very badly and, you know, the way politics has sort of become the whole show at the expense of the story, whatever else might be true, most of the episodes at least had a tight structure, whereas my low score, I don't feel bad because aspects of the writing were, for the first time, dreadful. You know, they really mm. were. No other word for it, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it was Basic rushed. Stuff, well, you know, not like big stuff. Like I said about the Daleks and stuff, you know, and about Ryan's arc, it was just as if, like, they'd written it in an hour before bed. Mm-hmm. But then again, there was a really, there was one really bad episode of David Tennant era. Um, do you remember the Christmas special they did on Titanic? That was in that space. That wasn't awesome. That wasn't awesome. No. Yeah, that, that, that was like... Uh, that episode, you know, seemed to me like it was written by a 12-year-old that I won a competition on Blue Peter. I guess so. When you've had incredible stuff, you are a doozy, and I think that's the big difference. Is that that's the exception to the real world. Most of them were amazing, whereas this hasn't got anything to go right. Okay, there has been good ones. I, I don't, you know, I'm going to do what I said I wasn't going to do now and break my own reel, but I can't think of any great moments in the whole of the Jodie Whittaker era, which makes me sad, but I can't, you know. Um, I'm, I'm much the same way, um, and you know the thing thing is, you know, I, I come down hard on Whitaker quite a lot of the time, but really, it genuinely is the writing. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's ever had 
the chance to be a great doctor, yeah, you know, there could be others, but I'm I'm not, um, you know, I don't think Jodie Whittaker was maybe even the right choice for it. I think there's better actors there, but I don't blame Jodie Whittaker for the show taking a bad turn. I blame the woeful writing. So. No, the, Jody, whatever you think of the show, Jodie Whittaker's done her job. If the job wasn't sufficient, it's because there were underlying problems that they just never addressed. I mean, because otherwise she would have been sufficient. I mean, look, in my opinion, Peter Capaldi's a superb actor, and no matter how hard he tried, it was noticeable that the show was taking a wrong turn even then. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's you know, look at like, you know, with his very first episode was awesome. You know, with the dinosaur and all that, and you thought, wow. And then the second, third, fourth, fifth one was so much weaker than what had been. So I think that's when the rock perhaps started to set in, you know. Yeah, but that said, I think, um, I think, I think, but at um, least it back a bit, you know. I think Capaldi's second season was by far his strongest. His second season was awesome. Uh, yeah, that's that's that the season. Yeah, that's the season where you have that very nasty that penultimate episode where it's just him. Yeah, that was that was incredible. It's, it was just him, and it was just totally. It was, yeah, it was, it was just like a, the time prison. Yeah, it was a spellbinding performance. It was just absolutely brilliant. He just knocked it out of the freaking park. And I, I also love the, um, the the one the one in the submarine with the um, I can't remember the, the the name of the alien race, the old aliens, the, 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 um, the, the, the from Mars. I know the um, what is what was no uh, yeah the um, Martians aren't they essentially Martians? Yeah, the, the ice warriors. The ice warriors, yeah. Ice Warriors, yeah. You know, and uh, we had another one with the Ice Warriors in the final season, which was substantially weaker. Um, but that one was awesome. <laughs> you know, his yeah. his penultimate season, his second season, was by far his best. I think. Yeah, you know? I mean, I remember watching the second one. I think the first, I think the first episode of the second series was a two-part with Davros and all that. And I thought, oh, Doctor Who's back now. That was amazing. That was like, you know, I, and then after that, it did dip again a bit for me. But um, again, at least there were moments where it's like, I think the big, big, big thing is that, you know, I wouldn't say I'm a super fan, right? I'm more of a Star Trek fan than I am Doctor Who, but I did watch it growing up and I do like the show a lot. And I guess if you tried to talk to me about individual Jodie Whittaker episodes, I probably wouldn't even be able to easily remember them. To me, that says everything. Mm. It does. I, I can't remember them either. I mean, I'm I'm a bit like um, you, Ben, as in I'm more of a Star Trek fan than the am a Doctor Who fan. But whereas, you know, the only difference is I had the benefit of growing up with Doctor Who. I grew up through the Tom Baker era. And it was on when I was growing up, so I was actually watching it. So, so I got to know the lore and I got to know a bit about it, sort of thing. And I'm one of these people that, are, you know, someone asked me about Doctor Who and say, well, I don't really know that much about it, sort of thing. Um, and they'll say, you probably know more than you know. And they're right, I probably do know more than you know, but it's just sort of like, uh, I never, never got into it in the same way as I got into Star Trek. Okay, um, we're done Wonder Woman, Doctor Who. What should we do now? Um, Mandalorian? Let's do Mandalorian. Awesome. Yeah, the whole thing. The whole thing. The the whole season was awesome, especially that final episode. Um, I mean, what, what gets me about the final episode is um, it's made up for a lot of the shortcomings of the uh, of the sequel trilogy. Yes, it has. You know, and uh, there's, there's rumours going around that they're going to completely disregard that sequel trilogy and say it was in a parallel universe. <laughs> Oh. Whatever works, you know. But it, it was just absolutely awesome uh, throughout. Um, 
loved the I loved the way they brought Boba Fett into it, and uh, you know he became allied to 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 them. I loved the friction we got between the between the different Mandalorians over Boba Fett yes. and, and that, and um, and all the rigmarole with his suit. Um, the the uh, the fight scenes were outstanding. The uh, the the you know the you know. Uh, is it's Din Djarin, Din Djarin taking on the um on the super stormtroopers yes. and getting getting the absolute snot kicked out of him. And I have to say, before we even deal with Baby Yoda as a character, I would like to give a shout out to the puppet designers because the the point at which they've got Baby Yoda in little teeny puppet shackles, mm. and it's like, oh my god, they made little teeny puppet shackles. They made those and put them on him. It's like that's craft right there. So you know, the, just just the puppeteering was rather wonderful. Yeah, I'm I'm actually uh, quite concerned for the mental health of those puppeteers putting handcuffs on a little baby like that. It's just. <laughs> It's just wrong, you know. You know they they get done for child abuse in this country doing that, you know. Um, it's just it's just terrible, and and also uh, I'm I'm really questioning uh, Dinjarin's um, Dinjarin's uh, parenting skills, letting baby older eat all those eggs. Oh my god! I mean, you know, you, yeah. you've got to give the child a good spanking, damn it! You know, you can't eat those eggs. <laughs> <laughs> It's a really good point there, and I must admit, I've never really thought about puppeteering, and I guess part of the reason I've never thought of it is that it's so, so, so good that you just accept it. But I actually used to work with someone called Emily, a friend of mine, and um, she was, taught, you know, she's she did it as sort of like a hobby and always wanted to break into it, and now she makes a living from doing it and was telling me about it. So, like, the amount of work that does go in behind the scenes... I think it's a really good point that you raised that, Bryce, and I'm glad you did because I think it's um, it's that good that you just see it and accept it as part of the world, but only when you break it down and you really think about how hard all of that is and how flawless the aliens look. It's it's, it's amazing, you know, it's groundbreaking, really. And it's, it's also incredible. it's also the skill of conveying emotion through 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 uh, the, ma- the the mechanics of a of a puppet. It's no easy task, especially when you can't see the puppet. <laughs> It's just yeah, no, I mean, it's just, um, you know, again, as you know, as you know, I and Race will probably won't be surprised to hear, like, you know, Star Trek's my thing, but it's, you know, Discovery 3's been better, but for me, like, Mandalorian's blown pretty much everything out of the water, and part of the thing, the reason they've done that is, you know, you saying about them saying that the sequel films will be in another universe and all that, what John Favreau and the others have really, really done is gone, right, we've told before, we've told after, Where's the really interesting stuff? And that's what's happened in between. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they're going to stay with for a while because they don't have to worry about after yet. The, world, the way that that world has been built is so huge with so many different eras and stuff like that that you can do what's in between, you know? And there's loads of stuff that's only ever been touched. And I think the reason for that is that, and I'm probably repeating myself from previous podcasts, most of the characters were underdeveloped in the film, essentially. It was sort of light-hearted, Certainly Star Wars, maybe not Return of the Jedi and Empire. Empire was different. But Star Wars A New Hope was a pretty simple format of an action film, escapism, and a romance, essentially. Mm -hmm. And you didn't have these big in-depth 
you know, characters and what they've gone done is gone back, same as they have with Cobra Kai, you know, and built these characters and give them extra dimension. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing to consider, Ben, is uh, there was no politics in the original Star Wars trilogy. And there's no politics in Mandalorian. They 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 basically they they basically leave it to to you to decide. As in, it's it's basically a black and white world with shades of grey, and uh, they they basically leave, leave all the morality, morality out of it for you to decide for for, for you to discuss and for you I mean, to talk about they, and think about. Yeah, they have, and um, I would agree with you that there's no overt politics in it, and I know for a fact I'm definitely repeating myself, but. That said, I don't think anything else has dealt with sort of like the masculinity and the role of a mother. Certainly not for a long time anyway, which I think was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can find the politics in it if you want, which you can with anything. But the point is, it, it's um, the story has to be a story and representation fits around it. But without the bare bones of a story, if you try to make aspects of the story fit in with what you want, it falls down, you know. Yeah. Well, I think the thing, the reason it stands out so well is because of te- the, because of kind of taking the politics out. It's not it's not skewing one way or the other or or anything like that. It's not trying to dictate to the audience and tell the audience, you know, well, you should be behind this person because you know they're they're good and and uh, you shouldn't be behind the first order because they're bad and you know, all that. It's t- it's taking all that out of it. It has done them, but at the same time, what it's done is. It's also made it less partisan at the, at the same time. It's also sort of said things are not as simple as cut and dry. You know, I can't remember what episode it was, maybe three or four, but there was that feeling of like, all right, you've got rid of the Empire, but what about this power gulf that's there now? Yeah, the you vacuum, know? you know. And, it, it, yeah, and, and, it's, done, and it's done that. It's, it, it's written at a distance and it's presented an idea and allowed you to make your own thoughts of it instead of telling you what you have to think about what. Yeah, but it's also the fact that uh, Din Djarin and Boba Fett end up working together, whereas naturally those two characters would not be inclined to work together. You know, it was only because uh, circumstances, you know, were such that they they could actually come together and and um, and and form that loose alliance like they did. I mean, yeah. you, you you seen the tension that ensued in in the final episode when when Din Djarin brings Boba Fett to Bo Katan and that. Sort yeah. of thing, um, you know. Whereas Din Djarin, I think he's kind of like um, he's a neutral character. You know, he's kind of an innocent in this world. In 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 in, in so far as he doesn't really align with any any particular side, other than getting the job done. He does what he needs to to survive, and like the whole point is that he's had a story arc, hasn't he? Because he, before he did what he did to survive. And it's almost like you saw him deciding who he wanted to be in life when it came to the child, and that became his priority, you know. And that was his turning point where he thought, "Yeah, I need to survive, but also, who do I want to be?" You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. You know, he's, we kind we kind of seen he, him develop his own moral compass, but really, by 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 the same token, is is a complete innocent in in this world. In 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 a lot of ways, he's he's still learning. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, um, and and that's that's why I think the uh, relationship between him and Grogu, or uh, the child or baby older, works so well because they're kind of they're kind of both innocents in a sense. Yeah, yeah, they've both been born into a difficult life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I loved it. I loved the reintroduction of Luke Skywalker at the end. Though I think the CGI was still a bit wobbly. Um, if yeah, honest, it'll it'll get better. It'll get better um, so. 
But then again, it was actually slightly better than the CGI that they did for Princess Leia in uh, Rogue One. It was, yeah. You know, and um, and um, Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One as well. It was slightly better than that. Um, I mean, given how much more we had to do, like, you know, Leia's were mainly sort of stood there for a few seconds, but when you consider how much he actually did, you know, and all right, the action sequences could be done without him. But, you know, the action was, sequence, um, the action sequences were actually done without him, mate. They were by him. Yeah, no, I know that. Like, um, I'm saying, not including those in what, what I'm saying, but um, I don't know. It was a groundbreaking thing to see that. It felt very different, even though you know they'd done it before. It felt like they'd gone to the next level as, as they had previously. You know, it also shows you how much money they're spending on the, on the on the Mandalorian because up until now that sort of technology has only really been seen in film. Yeah, I mean, it's this. Disney, nobody does marketing like Disney, let's be honest. And, you know, making Baby Yoda a thing, like, that was a genius me. Whoever came up with that is on big books now. Like. Yeah. So uh, Disney, Disney is a behemoth for a reason. Yeah. So, so let's yeah. close, close this out. And I'm going to ask you guys where you think Mandalorian's going to go now. I I think eventually um, I, that he's going to reunite with Grogu by becoming a Jedi. Because the the dark saber originally, I was looking it up. The dark saber originally belonged to a a Jedi, um, a, a Mandalorian who was who was a Jedi. Yep. So mm, I um, I don't know about that. I think Baby Yoda's going to leave Luke Skywalker at some point once he's sufficiently trained and go back to Mando, and uh. they're, they're just going to sort of like uh, go go around together putting the will to rights. Um, but I think in the interim, before that happens. Uh, the Mandalorian is going to work with Bo-Katan and uh, take back Mandalore. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and stamp out the Empire from Mandalore and, you know, and, and basically take, 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 take his place as a, as a man, as the, uh, as, as a leader of Mandalore, um, with Bo-Katan sort of like being the top advisor. Um, but I think there might be some sort of subplot within that where she tries to, to take take the dark saber from you at some point. It's, they're they're going to have to. They're going to have to go. <laughs> it's basically it's basically a Chekhov's gun thing. So, mm-hmm. so I think I think that's um I, I think I think that's where it's going to go in the immediate future and and I think as part of build up to that, I think the uh, the new Boba Fett series will probably sort of like um, include cameos from 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 these other characters you know because i think i think what lucasfilm is what disney's going to try and do is is going to try and link all these star wars series together uh-huh. yeah i think uh, i mean it's not a world especially because of the books and stuff like that you know what i'm learning more and more is that they're relying on a lot of the sort of non-screen canon to do a lot of things and um from the cartoons and stuff like that so i am i'm not familiar with a lot of those sorts of things i've watched like a few youtube videos that you've sent me here to try and catch up and stuff like that but i think at first i, I wasn't 100 percent clear whether or not the book of boba fett would be mandalorian season three or its own thing but now i'm definitely leaning towards thinking it'll be a separate thing it's, it's going to be its own thing it's going to be its own thing mate it's uh, basically there is going to be a mandalorian season three but i think we'll see book of boba, boba fett first and we'll probably see mandalorian season three at some point in 2022 I mean, it's definitely hinted at, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, like, you know, you said here, and all that, you know, sort of canon and everything more, far more than I do. And um, 
you know, it definitely looks like it might be going towards some sort of civil war on Mandalore. That's the that's the logical place for it to go next, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, the thing the thing is with the canon and that, um I only really know the canon as far as the animated shows and, and stuff like that. I've not read the books. Um Dominic's read the books, but I think Dominic um you know, while she writes for the website, I think the books he's read is mostly probably to do with the uh, the the uh, old Republic and 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 oh. stuff like that. He might he might have done done you know read a few other things sort of thing. But I think I think his main area of interest is the old Republic because that's what he's dying to see on the screen. And oh. I suspect he's probably going to get his wish um, in 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 not too distant future. Um, because obviously it released the new comics, which is basically the new Republic, which is basically the old Republic rehashed <laughs> sort of thing. Um, and and there's a vocal part of the uh, of the fan of the of the fan fan base saying, eh, "They're just stolen all these characters from the old Republic. Those bastards! It's not going to be as good." And I'm thinking, so what? <laughs> like, all I'd say is that considering that Mandalorian has exploded so well. I'm fully confident that even if this starts a brand new arc, it'll be it'll be brilliant. You know, and just having watched that show to see what it's all about, you know, I think uh, this touches on a subject that you and I have discussed, and other people have sort of commented about how much Disney have got and how much they own and how much they're dominated. But for me, whatever else is true, they're telling amazing stories. You know, they are. out of the park again and again, and you know, like people don't always like my response to that when because of Disney having a monopoly on stuff. But, like, I'm like, well... They have a monopoly for a reason. Yeah, but for Fox and stuff like that, we have to put up with substandard superhero stuff like Fantastic Four for ages. And for me, someone's going to have the rights to these stuff. So, like, take the politics out of it. Take whatever else. At least the people... At least we're getting great stories, which is what we want, you know? Yes, yeah. Well, Mandalorian... Okay, let's go Mandalorian. Um, out of five. Let's give it a five. I, I, I wouldn't argue with a five, you know. I don't have a problem with. I don't think there's many shows that have been quite as good consistently. So yeah, I would say series two, five out of five. I'm gonna go over four point nine because I want. I'd like to think that there's actually room for it to get better, yeah. even though it's good already. I'd like to think there's room for it to improve more, you know. So I'm gonna go four point nine. Yeah. Okay. Great. I think that's um, yeah. So what are we on next? On um? oh, Star Trek. Yeah. Um, I liked it. It was fine. It was good. Three out, of, three out of four, five. It was, it was better than, like... I mean, to try and be positive, you know, from a sort of massive Star Trek fan, at least each season's got better. So if you can continue to doubt, season one was woeful. Season two developed, it was all right, it was better. Then they had a sort of soft reboot going to the future. There was highs and lows of season three, you know, and I've written a lot about that, so I don't really see the point in me harping on, because if you want to read anything, guys, I've wrote, I wrote a feature every week for it, you know? So yeah. there's tons of reading to do about that if you want um, and I, just, I, will, I will just say that the actors are spectacular mm. yeah no there was some really really good performances um, this time around some really good canonical references you know um, it's the right thing for it to be in the future and I'll close out my bit about Star Trek by saying whatever else I may or may not have thought about Michael Burnham it really felt like it was ready for the chair now and I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes in season four. Yeah, yeah. I love I, I love the Guardian of Forever. I loved that. That was brilliant. Twist. That was brilliant. Um, and it was it was it was brilliant because everyone was speculating about it for for an entire week. <laughs> but but we all kind of knew that it was going to be the Guardian of Forever. I think. Well, the big claim about that was in, was the same fact that it was the same newspaper that um, that uh, Spock was reading about 
that saw Bones in in, in um, City on the Edge of Forever. Yeah, but you know, it's it's still it still left things open enough for the, to be sort of like some speculation about it. It was um, nice to see, and um, it just shows you the difference between a series dropping completely and week to week, and why that can be a massive part of things, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, so out of five, I'm going to go three and a half. That, that's about right. Uh, that's about right. Three and a half for me too. I'm going to go over three. Fair enough. I think um, we can wrap that one up then, can't we? As I say, you know, I'm not. I'm shameless. I'm um, shamelessly plugging myself, but um, you know, I put a lot of thought into a lot of those articles, and I wrote them week in week out, guys. So any listeners out there who want to find out more what I thought about Discovery you know there's, um, there's head on over to scifipulse.net yeah um, check out the um, weekly features that I did to correspond with the series review yeah just do a search of Star Trek Discovery and they'll all come up <laughs> um, so Star Trek Discovery done um, one division first two episodes have aired We've got um, a new episode airing this Friday, um, so obviously we'll be coming back next month and discussing the episodes that I played since then. Uh, but yeah. first impressions, um, I I kind of liked it. It's kind of like a cross between I Dream a Genie and um, the Truman Show. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Um, I'm bracing myself for the fact that the comedy is going to be masking a sadder storyline mm-hmm. because obviously something is not going well. Yeah. Um, um, so I, it, it's obvious that the actors are going to have a lot to play with before yeah. the before this is run its course, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that overall. In terms of the individual episodes, I thought the comic timing was excellent. I thought the I thought the attention to detail in terms of the sets and the and the flow and the and the the vintage the vintageness of it all was perfect. I know that the first episode, the black and white one, was. Um, um, the, the first Dick Van Dyke sort of homage one was filmed in, in, in front of a live audience back when they could still do that. Wow. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think it's a, it's a solid start, and it, and it bodes well for the Disney shows in general, if this is the kind of quality we can expect throughout. It does. I've got some really bad news over here. I, I've cancelled my Disney Plus subscription. So you could buy the yearly one. And <laughs> you got it, man. You got it. We spoke about it last night, so I guess that much. Yeah, I was, I was trying. I was trying to keep Raisa in suspense. And <laughs> so any Disney haters out there, you can do them for twenty quid, guys. Get it done. Yeah, but basically, um, in the UK, they're, they're introducing uh, the new the new star. To it, um, the new Star Channel to it um, in in February on the twenty seventh, I think. And um, as a result of that, because there's going to be about a thousand more shows and movies added to the uh, to the thing, um, and th- these new shows are kind of more more leaning towards an adult audience. But as a result of that, and all the new content and everything, they're going to put the price up by about two pounds. So it's going to be seven ninety nine a month instead of five ninety nine a month. So what I've done is I've cancelled my monthly subscription because I'm going to buy the annual subscription at the very beginning of um, February before the price goes up. <laughs> I, think it's 20, I think you've got about a month, guys. I think it's about the 23rd of February that you can do it off the top of my head. You have to check it out, but I was reading up on it last night and I think it's um, about a month. But, I mean, that's quite a hike. You know, the yearly one's going to be 80, the new one, and not 60. So that's 25% up, which is fair enough. You'll get a lot of extra stuff, but... Um, don't think there's going to be a great deal of new content on Star to start with, but they'll build that slowly, won't they? And also, another bit of news is I've just learned that they're adding all five seasons 
of the original of the original yes. Muppet Show to it. So you'll be able to see all those vintage vintage Muppet Show episodes with uh, Mark Hamill and and Star Wars and and uh, and and other big stars of the day. I think Shatner did a Muppet Show, didn't he? Yeah. I think you know. he did, yeah. I think anyone that was anyone did it. Um, I, I know Leonard Nimoy did one. Yeah. Um, my thoughts on WandaVision were, um, are you, what I'm noticing at the moment, and the same with Wonder Woman is, and I'm finding it very hard to watch stuff objectively because, you know, this pandemic's taken out of all of us, and I'm like a massive, massive lover of the MCU. Like, I love it. I've watched all the movies sort of three times each. I've watched all the YouTube videos and all that. I'm not a huge comic geek, generally, but MCU stuff. And I think I've built WandaVision up so much that I almost wanted sort of explosions and excitement, and I didn't get that. But I'm, I can't say disappointed, because it was just it's building. But because I've had the Marvel movies delayed and everything like that, I think it was an anti-climax, but that is not because of the show. That's more because of me. And I think that, you know, we're in a unique position where, where you'd never normally have that, you know, and I think that's a really important sort of aspect yeah. to mention yeah. because historically, you know, we're probably not going to have, well, hopefully not, another pandemic like this for 100 years or, or whatever it is. And um, it's really interesting what it does to your mind, you know. Yeah. No, we're going to have another pandemic next week. Trust me, it'll well, happen. Um, I think if I had to sum it up, what's really cool about the show is that it's bold. It's decided to take this odd formula, which is a 50s sitcom, and it's nailed it, you know? And I think when I say, like, an anticlimax, I guess it's because it was always going to be a slow burner. But yeah. I, because it was my first bit of Marvel again, I was like, come on, come on, come on, come on, get going, get going. And so I guess I'm a bit impatient, but... Um, we used to, you used no. to have to develop different um, uh, frames think, of reference <clears throat> for the streaming stuff. I the think streaming the, shows are going to be different. I think the problem is, Ben, is uh, the only time you've really seen Scarlet Witch... And vision is when it's been in the context of the Avengers because they've never oh, done yeah. they've I never mean, done any standalone yeah, stuff. I can't reiterate strongly enough. It's no fault of the writing. It's completely sort of personal to me, uh-huh. but it really, really made me like realize how much I miss the MCU and how much I can't wait for the cinema again and everything. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm saying. I mean, you know, I'm hoping that I'll get to see James Bond at the cinema. Uh, but by the same token, if the pandemic's still going on, it does have to play on TV, and I do have to rent it for fifteen quid. I'll do that. He won't but, do it, with James Bond, mate. He won't too big. You know the Bond franchises. The, the he will wait for the cinema. I'm I'm ninety percent sure. I don't, you know, I don't know, mate, because uh, MGM struggling. MGM are struggling financially. But the problem is, is what's the point in releasing it on that? Because all you'll do is get pirate copies. You know, as soon as you release a video on that. You've lost all your money, really. You know how much money realistically did they make from Wonder Woman? From people I don't. Actually buying I don't think they made much, and don't think they would have made that much from the cinema release either. Because I think people are still being very, very careful. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know. I could be totally wrong, mate. You know, and I, and I have like, but I think um, of all the ones, I think Bond's. You know, there's so much going into that movie that Bond can't fail. You know, he can't. He just. Um, even if it has to be another six months. Well, I, I, know, I reckon it'll be out in the autumn, personally. Like to, be, to be honest, mate, you know, it wouldn't shock me if it ends up on TV before before cinemas. It wouldn't shock me in the least. But um, personally, I want you to be right because I'd rather see it in a cinema than, than watch it at home. But, I, you know, with, with MGM struggles and stuff like that, I, yeah, I've no, got I a feeling... I know what you're saying, you know, I, I get it, um, but... My prediction is I think it will probably... I don't think we'll see Bond in the cinema if it does until September, you know? I really don't, because that's when 
things will probably be working towards getting back to um, what we thought was normal before, you know? Yeah, well, we don't want things to go back to normal, mate. Um, well, it's a relative term, isn't it? You know, because normal is basically the workers being ripped off and uh, the health service being underfunded and all this sort of thing. But I suppose it is going to end up being back to normal with the with the wankers we've got in charge at the moment. But never mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think um, yeah, one division. It's just ridiculously exciting to have anything MCU related and to have anything new. And um, you know, it, it, it aimed to be funny, and it was very very funny at times. And that's what it needs to do, you know. And um, I think you're right, um, Ricer. I think underneath it is going to be quite a dark story, you know. Mm. But it's all like um, everyone's speculating at the moment as to who the um, who the workman was that came up through the um, through through the ground. That's the main the, main the beekeeper dude. Yeah, the beekeeper yeah. dude. And they reckon it's um, is there a character in Marvel called Hive? I don't remember. Um, the Hive was introduced in um, Agents of Shield as the character that that took over um, Brett Dalton took over um, Gr- um, Grant Ward. As the, the, the alien. Yeah, I think there's a character in, in, in Marvel that's made up of bees. Mm, oh, and, separately, that I don't know. Yeah, and um, and that's who they're speculating that the beekeeper's going to be at the moment. Mm. You know. I think, like, I remember saying to Anita after the show, now that I've watched Doom Patrol, nothing feels weird anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, Doom Patrol is actually kind of like my normal life. <laughs> um, yeah, but I guess it's just really, really exciting and Apart from just one division, it's like that's whatever else is will be true. That'll be the first one that, that wants this whole new section of like the. Um, and we're not far away from Captain America and Winter Soldier either, are we? Um, sorry, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, rather. Yeah, yeah, comes that, out. That, that one's next. That one's coming in March. Yeah, it come, comes out in March. So we've got one division right through to um, to 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 March, and then then we've got uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon, and um, and think then we're going to have Loki. Loki. I'm looking forward to Loki so much. So mm-hmm. When's Loki before? Is it in the autumn? Yeah, I think that's probably. Oh, it's, it's coming out in May. Yeah, right. so that's three series. That's um, that's massive. Mm-hmm. I think. And then is What If, which is an animated series. I'm, I want to see that one badly too. That's the, that's the one I'm really looking forward to actually. What if? Because um, I think half an hour. An episode or 25 30 minutes, 10 episodes a series is probably the right formula for the MCU considering how many shows they're going to have. I think that's a smart move, you know, because you've got a massive amount of sort of series of storytelling. Because if you think about it, yeah, all right, the individual films, like the longest is what over three hours, I think, and game, but like 25 minutes times like 10 episodes, you know, that's sort of like four and a half hours of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I think if you gave yourself any more to do than that, with the amount of series that they're going to have, because I mean, what what are the other ones that have been announced? She Hulk, as far as I know. Yep. Yeah. And with the Star Wars ones, you've got Mandalorian, you've got Boba Fett, you've got uh, the Bad Batch, which is coming out later this year. You've got Cassie and Andor. You've got Obi Wan and you've got Ahsoka Tanu. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe like I, I don't know. I could be, I could very easily be wrong, but. Maybe because it's all Disney now, maybe they learned from Mandalorian and thought, right, that's the formula we want for the MCU TV series, you know, because it's worked and people are going for that. Yeah. And coming full circle now, you know, maybe Doctor Who should learn for that and do that again, Ian. Maybe you're right, you know, shorter episodes. Yeah. Shorter episodes. I've read that um, the episode lengths will vary depending on the show. Like, Loki will be six one-hour episodes. Oh, right, I didn't know that, right? So, okay, yeah. fair enough, I stand correct. I didn't know that. Yeah. 
So it'll it'll vary depending on what they're trying to do. Um, and and Loki being longer episodes makes more sense because it's going to be a more intricate storyline. I don't think they could do his storyline in half hour episodes. Mm-hmm. I guess also um, why Wonder and those other two series, One Division, and they've got two characters, whereas Loki will mostly be about him. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think and I think the he reason. He's a major, major player in the MCU, isn't he? As well, I'm not saying that the others aren't, but you know, yeah. I think the other reason, I think Loki is a one-off series as well, isn't it? It's just going to be the it's, one series. There's a there's a rumor that there's two seasons planned. Right. Uh, that that each season will fit into a different batch of movies, and that they're basically using the series to feed into the films. Yeah. So. The, the reason I the reason I speculated that is because I can't see them keeping hold of a. Um, Hold of the actor for more than a couple Tom of Hiddleston. series. Yeah. They'll keep a hold of him as long as they keep him interested. Mm-hmm. So. I know that like, it's definitely been um, confirmed that uh, Scarlet Witch is going to tie in with uh, Doctor Strange. Strange, yeah. The um, thingy of Madden. Wow, sorry, my brain's gone kaput. Well, the next Doctor Strange movie. <laughs> Just scoring it out. Yeah, the Multiverse of Madness. Multiverse of Madness, yeah. Yeah. That does already tie in because you sort of you've got an inkling that whatever they're in is sort of like the start of the multiverse, you know. Yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to the next Doctor Strange um, because I, I loved the first Doctor Strange; thought it was fantastic. In fact, I'd say Doctor Strange and Ant, the Ant Man movies are my favourites at the moment from Marvel MCU. Um, so, um, One Division. Um, um, based on what we've seen so far, I'll give it a three. Yeah. I'm going to raise that. I'm going to say um, I'm going to go with a four. You know, based mm-hmm. on the fact that I just think it's a very bold and difficult thing to have started. Um, but yeah, I'll go with a four. I'll raise the three. And go with a four. I'm going to go with three. Uh, maybe a three and a half. Three and a half. Give it some growing room. You know, it's, it's, it, it, it needs um, thus far what I've seen. It's really good, but there's there's, there's definitely room for it to to, to develop. I mean, it's not a great deal to judge on, is it, so far, to be fair? Like. No, not really, no. Um, except um, which, uh, which of the um, which of the neighbourhood uh, women do you fancy? <laughs> I like um, I, I, I personally thought um, I had a bit of a crush on um, Naughty Vision, you know, when sort of like food got inside them and sent them, sent them a bit odd. <laughs> <laughs> what you, you kind of um you know so you, was you conceptualizing the female version of Naughty Vision there or no I think it was just you know it was just sort of fun to see a cheekier version of a Vision you know um yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah what what's concerning me is they've got a character in this called Dotty and that didn't really work out that well for Agent Carter didn't it oh dear no <laughs> but yeah I've I've enjoyed it and um, Disney. MCU, bring back Agent Carter. Yeah, definitely. That's a good shout, that man. That was a that'd be a great thing to hear some good news about that. Mm-hmm. You know, really would. Okay, well, um, thanks everyone for coming. Thanks, Risa. Thanks, Ben, uh, for for being part of this, and um, thanks all you guys for listening. Um, if you uh, want to see more of what we do, um, we we've got a website. Um, it's over at www.scifipost.net. Um, and um, of course, you can actually subscribe to this uh, podcast on on um, iTunes um, under Sci-Fi Pulse Radio. Um, or you can subscribe to us at our Acast uh, site. You know, by by just you know pu- pu- putting pu- pushing the subscribe button. And I think you can actually subscribe directly from the player that we've got on the website on the side. So you know, 
you know, please subscribe us, give us a like, um, feel free to uh, subscribe to scifipost.net and, um, you know, if, you, if you're ever around and you've got a bit of time, just say hello in the comments and, um, you know, we're quite happy to engage. Um, but thanks for that, thanks for that, guys. Um, we, we, we're actually going to go off now and be back again with another episode next month. So, bye-bye. Take care, stay safe, everyone.